Well, I'm excited today uh, because the Word of God is exciting, and, and I, I get to, to the privilege of bringing the Word of God, so I'm excited about that. I'm excited because we're going to hear some really, really uh, uh, inspiring stories of how people's lives have been changed by the grace of Jesus Christ. And I'm excited to tell a little bit of, of my story this morning. We're going to go to the book of Mark. We've been in this series with Jesus, Life at the Lake, the Gospel of Mark, looking at all kinds of really amazing stuff. I, I find myself, Rick, wanting to say really cool stuff, because you, you like that word. So there's some really cool stuff that we're going to see in the book of Mark in just a few minutes. So I just have great anticipation. It's kind of like the kids at school. It was parent day, and they were honoring parents and their vocation, and the kids were all excited because one of their parents was going to be there, and, and they were going to tell about what they did professionally, and each of the kids was going to present a gift that was uh, in, 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 in correlation with their, uh, their father or their mother's career. And so the florist was being honored, and, and his little son came up and brought a bouquet of flowers. That was very appropriate. And, and, and next, the, uh, uh, the candy store owner got up, and so his son brought him some specialty candies and presented it uh, to his father, the candy store owner. And then there was the liquor store owner, and, and that little boy brought a brown bag, and it was all wet and dripping. And so the, the liquor store owner took the bag, and, and he touched the wet bag, and he touched it to his tongue, and he said, what is it? Is, is that wine? And his son said, no. And he, he dipped it again, touched it to his tongue, and he said, is that, is that champagne? And he said, no. And he said, well, what is it? And he said, it's a puppy. <laughs> he was so excited to present that gift to his dad. And I, I'm excited to present the Word of God to you today. It's sort of the same, but sort of not. Okay, just it's a loose tie. Anyway, we're looking at Jesus. Life at the lake and the, the, the amazing lessons that we learn from the life and ministry of Jesus. And, and uh, we, we've talked about so far, we've covered a lot of ground. Purpose at the lake, compassion, forgiveness, legalism, obedience at the lake. Uh, Rick talked about generosity at the lake. Last week we talked about power at the lake and we saw five different people's lives who were transformed by the power of Jesus. And I want to just take a moment to review that as a springboard into today's message, which is story at the lake. And we're going to hone in on one of these five and go a little bit deeper. Uh, but let's look back at what we, uh, the lives that we looked at last week, Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 5. We looked at, first of all, in Mark chapter 1, a man with leprosy. And Jesus, he, 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 all of these pose a question to Jesus. It's interesting. And Jesus answers them each individually and a very, very straightforward manner. The man with leprosy in, in Mark chapter 1. He said, Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus answered him right away and said, I am willing be cleansed. I'm so glad that Jesus is willing today. I don't care what you're facing I don't care what your challenge, what your difficulty, what your uh, life-controlling problem is. Jesus is willing to touch your life and to bring transformation to you. And so the man with leprosy. And then we, we looked at uh, Mark chapter 4 and the disciples in the boat and the story about the storm that uh, probably all of us are very familiar with. And the disciples are freaking out and they wake Jesus up and they say, Jesus, don't you care? See, the man with leprosy said, Lord, are you willing? 
The disciples who were supposed to know Jesus obviously didn't know Him as well as they were supposed to. And we can relate to that because some of us ask that same question, God, don't you care? Don't you see? Why aren't you acting? And, and so the disciples said, Lord, don't you care? And Jesus answered that question by quieting the wind and stilling the waves. And then we, we step into Mark chapter 5, and, and we're going to come back and read some details about verses 1 through 20. The man from Gadarene that, that met Jesus at the other side of the lake, and the Bible says he was demon-possessed. He, his life was completely out of control, and he encounters Jesus, and he's completely set free to such a radical dimension that the people of the community are totally freaked out, and they beg Jesus to leave. Sometimes when you see the raw power of God at work, it can be scary. It can be downright frightening. And so we're going to come back and look at this a little bit closer today as we talk about story on the, at the, on the lake or at the lake. Um, because Jesus gives this man some very clear instruction that is pertinent and appropriate to every single one of us. But as we continue to read in Mark chapter 5, we read about Jairus, this father that was a, a, a religious leader. He was a leader in the synagogue. He was a religious man. And his daughter, 12 years old, is dying, so he reaches out to Jesus for help. And Jesus is on his way to go help this man with his daughter when this woman, unnamed, we, we only know her as the woman with the issue of blood. She had a bleeding condition for 12 years. She was desperate. And she reached out to touch Jesus, knowing that if I can just get close to Him, if I can just touch Him, I know my life will be changed. I know that I'll be healed. And that's exactly what happened. And Jesus turns around and says, Who touched me? He, he didn't know who it was. And, and so we find her asking the question, Do you even know about me? Are you even aware? And Jesus intervenes in her life in an amazing way. And, And as soon as she's healed, the report comes to Jairus and says, Don't bother the teacher anymore. It's too late. Your daughter's already dead. And so the question posed to Jairus, that Jairus poses to Jesus is, Is it too late? And I love the fact that it's never too late with Jesus. Regardless of where you're at today, regardless of your level of need, regardless of the encounter and experience that you've had or lack thereof with Jesus Christ, it's never too late for you. Because all five of these stories, we find people moving toward Jesus, Jesus moving toward them, and something amazing happening in their lives. And He's doing the same thing today that He did 2,000 years ago. And we're going to hear some reports about that in just a couple of minutes. Let's take just a moment and read this man's account, Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. We won't read all the details of these first 20 verses, but the Bible gives us some very explicit detail that in verse 1 they arrive at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When, this, uh, when Jesus climbs out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from a cemetery to meet him. The, the man lived among the burial caves. He, no, he could no longer be restrained. They would chain him. He would break the chains. He would cut himself. He would howl. This guy was, he, he was a freak show. I mean, he, he, this guy was, wow. He was scary. And Jesus shows up, and I love the fact that as out of control as this man's life was, we see him running toward Jesus. And and I take hope in that, that regardless of where you are today, 
If you can take a step toward Jesus, I want to tell you, He's going to find you, you're going to find Him, and radical change is going to come to your life. This guy runs toward Jesus, he cries out, the Bible tells us that he's demon-possessed. Uh, the, the, the demons are driven out of this man. They enter pigs. The pigs run down a hill and drown themselves. It's just an, it's really an extraordinary account. And we pick up in verse 18. That's really what I want to focus on this morning as we talk about story at the lake. Verse 21 says, Jesus got into the boat again. Oh, excuse me. Wait, back up. Verse 18, not verse 21. Verse 18, as Jesus was getting into the boat, A man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns. That region was called Decapolis, which means ten towns. He went to the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed at what he told them. How cool that this man encounters Jesus, wants to go with him, and Jesus gives him some clear instruction that he is giving to us today. His instructions are just as relevant. They're just as pertinent today. What does he say? He says very simply several things. First of all, he says to tell people, first of all, he says, go to your family. Go to your own people. If you read many different translations, it's go to your family and your friends. Go to the people that know you the best. Go to the people that you're the best acquainted with and that know you the best. Go to them, number one. Number two, tell them the great things that God has done for you in your life. And then he says, and how the Lord has had mercy on you. I like that. You see, Jesus was really clear. And if we'll obey the words of Jesus, amazing things are going to happen, not only to us, not only in us, but through us. See, God did something in us because He wants to do something through us. And He gives this instruction. Tell people what I've done and how I've had mercy on you. I've found this to be true. I think many of us really wrestle with telling our story because we're uncomfortable pointing our finger at somebody else and pointing out how they've missed it and how they've got sin in their life and how they're, they're rejecting Jesus. At least we think this way. I used to think this way. I used to be really intimidated and very fearful about sharing my faith. And I would see people in their brokenness and I would see people in their sinfulness and I felt like I needed to point that out so that they could see they were a sinner so that they could see they needed Jesus. That's not what Jesus told this man to do. He said, go tell your family what I've done for you. What I've done for you. And, and how I've extended mercy to you. I've discovered that when I tell people what Jesus has done in my life, 
and that I needed mercy and how the Lord has extended mercy to me because I've failed, because I've fallen short in an area that I've blown it, most people can identify with failure. And hearts begin to open up like a flower because they say, you know what? That person's just like me. I've got my issues. They had their issues. Wow. If God did that in their life, maybe He'll do something in my life. Listen this morning. God didn't send you to point out everybody else's sin. Some of you think that's your ministry. It's not. That's the Holy Spirit's ministry. He's the one that came to convict the world regarding sin, righteousness, and judgment. And He's really good at what He does. You'll be amazed at what He'll do as you begin to tell your story to somebody else. And what Jesus has done in your life and how He's had mercy on you. Because you know what? Whether you know it or not today, He's had mercy on you. He's extended mercy toward you. Because He was God and He robed Himself in human flesh. He became a man. He lived a perfect life, died a, sinful, died a substitutionary, not a sinful death, a substitutionary death for my sins and for yours. He was buried, rose again on the third day and ascended to the Father and He's coming back again. And he, in that, He has extended amazing mercy. He's made a way for you to escape the wrath of God and experience eternal life. He's had mercy on you. So these are the instructions that God gives this man. And these are the instructions that He gives to us. The Bible tells us He went to the ten cities. He didn't just go to His family. He didn't go to just His friends. He went to ten cities to tell what Jesus had done in His life. And hundreds if not thousands of people were influenced to believe on Jesus as Messiah through His story. Who's waiting to hear your story? You'd be surprised who needs to hear your story. You'd be surprised. So here's some simple instruction that I want to extract from what Jesus directed this man to do. Four simple directives that I'm going to give you today. This is your homework. Number one, take inventory of what God has done in your life. Stop and think about your story. What has Jesus done for you? I was raised in church. I was raised as a, you know, a, a Christian kid. I used to think I don't have a testimony. How wrong I was. Every one of us has a story. Take an inventory of what God has done in your life. How He has revealed Himself to you. How He has protected you. How He's delivered you. How He's spared you. Take an inventory. Number one. Number two, write it down. Why? So that it's clear in your own mind. Write it down. Maybe your story's still being written. Join the club. We all, got a, we all have a story that's being written. We're all in the middle of a chapter. Take time to write down what, what, what's happened in the past. It'll, it'll bring clarity, and the reason that it's important for it to be clear is so that when opportunity presents itself, you can articulate it. I remember one time, this is, this is a couple years ago, I was riding up on a ski lift, skiing at Cabrafay with my boys, and, and, and uh, these young girls got on the ski lift, there was a couple of young guys, a couple of girls, and, and, and they, were, they were getting stoned. And, uh, and they were having a good time, they were kind of oblivious, 
to, to, to me. And they were just talking about what a great time they were having. And, and I was thinking back to, to a point in my life where I could completely identify with them. And I just said, you know what? I said, I, I shared with them. Now, it had to be quick because we were on the ski lift. I just told them about what Jesus had done in my life. That I used to abuse substances and I used to abuse alcohol. And, and that Jesus Christ transformed my life. I don't know what God did with that story and with that testimony. I didn't point out their sin. I talked about what mercy He had shared with me. And and they were open and they were asking questions. So, inventory your life. Write down your story so it's clear. So you can articulate it with somebody. Put together your elevator speech. What is that? That's to be able to tell your story. And if, if you're on a 20-story building and you're in an elevator going to 20th floor, you need to be able to tell your story in, in that amount of time. Be prepared. So take an inventory. Write it down. Number three, talk about what Jesus has done in your life. That's going to do something for the person that hears it. It's going to do something powerful for you. It's going to confirm and affirm and reinforce what God has done in your life. It's it's going to benefit you. And then lastly, invite the person that you're talking to into the same kind of experience. Maybe it's inviting them, like Rick said. Maybe it's inviting them to North Point next week because it's the easiest Sunday of the entire year to come to church because you get an extra hour of sleep. You tell your story this week and you invite them. Hey, come check out. You know what? Our, our, our church is full of a bunch of imperfect people. Recovering sinners. You'll, you'll feel right at home. A bunch of people whose lives have been broken and Jesus is in the process of fixing them. And you'll feel right at home. Invite them. Inventory, write, tell, and invite. That's, that's the simple instruction that Jesus gave to this man in telling his story. I've invited several people to tell their story this morning. And, and so we're going to take uh, just a few minutes and hear from uh, some folks that are, that are among us and, and the, the really neat things that, that uh, Jesus has done or is doing for them. And Rick, if I could have the microphone, please. I'd, I'd like to invite Dan Tace, first of all. Dan is uh, one of us, has been a North Pointer for a long time. And, and tonight, uh, I, I hope that you'll affirm this man as, as the next elder here at North Point. I've really enjoyed getting to know Dan over the last nine months or so. And uh, Dan, thanks for being willing to tell a little bit of your story. Now, you strike me as the kind of guy, I've only known you for nine months. You strike me as the kind of guy that's been in church your whole life. You've been a Christ follower your whole life. You just just seem like the kind of guy that has no past. (laughs) But that's not necessarily the case. So tell us your story and give us a little window into your world and God's grace toward you. Thank you, John. That that definitely is the grace of God that that's what you believe about me. uh, just keep me in my delusional state, okay? <laughs> I will. No, I, uh, by the time I was 16, I had decided there was no God. That religion was basically a bunch of nice stories that were made up hundreds of years ago to explain things that people didn't know how to explain any other way. Um, and so I had basically rejected all of that. I decided the Bible was full of errors. Um, and at that time, God brought some people into my lives, some friends who just lived out what it was to be a Christian in front of me, never criticizing me, just living it out, and asking me some hard questions like, you say the Bible's full of errors, have you ever read it? And I hadn't. Uh, And they encouraged me to start with the book of Mark. Um, And through watching them just live their faith out and reading scripture, 
uh, it brought me to the place where I stopped resisting God's call in my life and brought me to him. Wow, that's amazing. Now, talk to us a little bit. because you know, maybe, maybe there's some here that can identify with an atheist or agnostic kind of mentality. Talk to us a little bit about where you were at. You, were, you, were, you, were, you, call yourself an athe- you called yourself an atheist. How, how, did you, how did you get there? At that point in my life, I just didn't see where God was involved. I thought everything could be explained by science or by uh, educating yourself further. And it was then that as I walked through this, this path, that God began to show me that it takes more faith to believe that than it does to believe that there's a loving creator who made everything and cares deeply for us individually. It's interesting that you were reading in the book of Mark and that that's this I we I didn't connect those dots <laughs> until you uh, you shared that this morning but I think I think that's really neat. What what's your best advice to maybe a person that's either here or maybe listening by way of of uh, podcast or otherwise? What's your best advice to somebody that's at the place where you were at that place of 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 unbelief? I would say look at it with an open mind before you just decide to reject it. Understand what you're rejecting. Read Scripture. Read what the Bible has to say. See what Jesus truly taught. And uh, you'll find it much more difficult to reject. I assume you'd recommend the book of Mark. Yes, I would. Yeah, good place to start. (laughs) Dan Taze, thank you so much. Uh, the second person I'd like to invite is my brother Paul, Paul Eliff. Come on up, and uh, Paul's going to tell a little bit of his story. I didn't know this till this morning after the nine o'clock service uh, that uh, my brother Paul told me that he's never shared before what he shared with the nine o'clock service and with uh, with with y'all here at the ten forty-five. Uh, I. Of course, this is my brother, and I know him. But uh, I, I, I saw evidences of God's grace in his life, but I, I didn't know the full story of what Jesus had really done for my brother. Both of us were raised in a, in a, in a Christian home. Uh, both of us uh, spent a, a period of time uh, straying and away from the Lord. And uh, Paul, you uh, reached a really, really low point a couple of years ago in your life. Just talk to us a little bit about what was going on and, and how you encountered God's grace in your life. Yeah, I've never told anybody this, really. So I've been praying to the Lord for spiritual boldness. John called me, asked me to do this, so I figure it's an answer to prayer. So be, care- be careful what you so pray. I've been getting a lot of prayers answered. Uh, well, this was like four or five years ago. I just hit a low point. I was basically a functioning alcoholic. You know, I was born again at a young age, but as the years went by, I mean, I just kept drifting. The Bible's God. I kept, but not really realizing it. You know, I was like, I'm a good person. I, I still meet my mom at church. And, you know, I just, anyway, four or five years ago, I just hit a low point. I was, I'd moved out of a house, basically lost that house. I was in the bedroom with my daughter. She was crying, going to bed. And, uh, just didn't want to be there, and I was just at a real low point. I got hammered that night like I normally did. Woke up in the morning, kids were gone. My wife was gone to work already because I'd overslept. So I threw on my work clothes. I was getting ready to go to work, and I, I just, I work for myself. I just walked back in the house. I grabbed my Bible, and I sat down, started reading my Bible. 
And then I went in my bedroom, got on my knees. I said, Lord, I've just, I don't know how I got here. I, I knew how I got there, but I, I'm at a low point and I need your help. I got to quit drinking. Uh, I just, I'm embarrassed of my condition. And uh, so I, I knew what I had to do. I, I, I knew the Lord would help me. And I started really getting into the Bible every day, reading the Bible. And then one scripture right in the beginning that really stuck with me was, with faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. And I had really a lot of faith in the Lord. It was just buried. I mean, I believe the Lord can raise people from the dead. I know He can help me, so that really helped me. And I just kept going and reading my Bible every day. And I haven't had a sip of alcohol since that morning. And that was four or five years ago. So. Uh, one question for you. Just have one, one more. Thank you for telling a little bit of your story. For, for the person that really maybe feels hopeless, whether they're here or whether they're listening, for the person that, that maybe is, is in that place that you described that you were in four to five years ago, what, what's your best advice to them? What would you say to them? The Word of God. You need, you pursue, if you, amazing. It's, it really is a living Word of God. If you, if you read it, apply it to your life, it works. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you can move mountains. Everyone in here can do it. Like, it's, read your Bible. All right. Thank you, Paul Eliff. God bless you. Thanks for telling a little bit of your story. And I'm going to ask uh, the Patrick family to come on up and, uh, and tell a little bit of Caden's story. Uh, Buck and Ben and Caden and Rebecca, thank you for... Uh, being here and for telling some of your story. Many of you know the, the Patrick family. You know uh, Caden's story of uh, a little over three years ago being diagnosed with cancer. And uh, in fact, we, you, you guys had a bunch of T-shirts that were printed that you didn't have, uh, you know, kind of fell through on how you were going to sell those. And the church rallied and helped you with that. That was back in, I think, February or March. And, and uh, Caden was still in the middle of, of his battle. And, uh, and so we want to hear the rest of the story. It's, it's really difficult in, in three or four or five minutes to thumbnail three, three and a half years, almost four years. But uh, uh, at age 13, Caden was diagnosed with cancer. You got, you got the, 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 the C word report. And uh, there was a period of a year or more, a year and a half, that you battled cancer, that you went through treatment, but that you were diagnosed, or, or excuse me, rather, you got the, the word from the doctor that you were in full remission and that you, were, that you were clean. And then about 12 months later, you apparently started having some symptoms. And uh, Rebecca, pick it up from there and tell the story that uh, you got the report that, that the cancer was back. That was incredibly difficult. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that point and then uh, take us forward from there in the story. Yes, and um, back in May of 2013, uh, we had found out that Caden's cancer had returned. Um, as you might know before, when I had spoke, um, well, almost two years ago, it was started in his nasal passage, and at that time when it came back, um, it was there was a spot on his spleen, and he had spots on the liver as well. So um, we started in um, with therapy um, at 
uh, the hospital in Houston. We were flying to Texas every two and a half weeks all last summer, and he was doing chemo there and whatnot and other therapy, but it was not working. So we went back to U of M Hospital um, and did chemo there, and um, after 15 months of chemo, um, in June, the end of June, we were told that Caden was cancer-free again. Awesome. Glory to God. Talk, talk, talk about a couple of things. One, uh, when you got the report the second time, there was a nurse that was there, and, and she observed you as a family, and, and then she followed up with you. She actually sought you out. Tell, tell us a little bit about that. Okay, so... Um, we, Kaden and I, had been in a head-on car collision back in January of 2013. So when they had seen these spots on his liver and spleen, um, I, I kept telling the doctors, I think it's just a bruise because of our car accident. Maybe that they overlooked or something. Um, but then they agreed, yes, it could be. But they said, let's just do scans to um, make sure. So um, after scans and then they wanted to do a biopsy, they did the biopsy. And they told us that we would get the results back in a week. Um, so we were in recovery with Caden, and we seen Caden's doctor. And both Buck and myself, you know, got all nervous, thinking, oh, she's going to c- come tell us something that we don't want to hear. But we thought, no, it's going to take them a week. She's, you know, she's just checking in on us. But um, the spots that they had taken that they had froze indeed did come back that they could already tell that it was the cancer. So she um, left us with this news, and after she walked out, we kind of um, looked at Caden, and the nurse was in the room the whole time with us, just monitoring him and whatnot. But we looked at Caden and just said, you know, how you doing, bud? And he just broke down. So Buck and I went over to his bed, and we just loved on him, and we just instantly started praying. And um, the very next day, the nurse actually found my cell number. I was at work, and she called, and she wanted to know. She just said, you know, I've worked in recovery for 25 years, and I've never, ever seen a family get that diagnosis and respond the way that you did. She said, you know, what is it about you? What do you have? You know, so I was able to share with her our faith and um, just talk to her about the Lord. And we have a a little joke in our family because I'll always say, hey, Caden, come here. And he's like, oh, great. Got to go do the cancer duty again. You know, but I'm so excited because of what God has done in his life and through him, our whole family. He's just, he has granted us grace and mercy to walk every single day. And just, you have to, you have to follow after him and just look to him because without him, we wouldn't be able to do this. Amen. You know, one thing that I love and appreciate about your story is when I think of the supernatural, it's the super and it's the natural. And all the while, both stints with cancer, both bouts, I know that as a family, you were clinging to the Word of God, you were praying, you were clinging to your faith, but you were also doing practical things. You mentioned every two and a half weeks going to Houston and getting the treatment. And and so uh, the fact that you still call this a miracle, that that, that Mm -hmm. Jesus has intervened and and brought healing and restoration to Caden, uh, I think is beautiful. What would you say uh, individually as a family, somebody that's, again, here or listening, and maybe is in that scary place of a bad diagnosis or in the middle of a storm and they're still walking through it, what, what would be your encouragement to them? Well, first of all, I'd say with God, all things are possible. It does not matter what it is. Um, 
I've just been so encouraged um, prayer um, and to be able to ask somebody to pray for you and to know, yes, that they really truly are praying. But um, like everyone has said, in your Bible, you read, 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 and God shows you scripture verses. He carries you through this um, no matter what it is, no matter how big the mountain is. He will carry you through it. Excellent. Thank you very much. The Patrick family. Rick, you want to grab that, please? Thank you so much for sharing. You know, the, um, I, I appreciate uh, hearing the stories. And uh, just to, to, to cap that and, and share a couple of things. Number one, uh, don't be afraid to tell your story just because maybe it's not perfect or it's not done. I think it's really important to tell your story. Because ultimately, and Rick mentioned this, it's not just your story, it's his story. And uh, God is going to do something powerful both in you and through you as you tell other people what the Lord has done in your life. And so, number one, inventory. Stop and think about what He's done. One of the things that my brother Paul shared with me was that even after he prayed that prayer and had been alcohol-free for some time, he really hadn't given God the glory for that. And he he was kind of embarrassed about that what has God done in your life that you haven't given Him glory for? That, that He's done that you haven't even acknowledged? Take an inventory. Number two, write it down. Number three, maybe like my brother Paul, you need to pray for spiritual boldness to share as there's an opportunity that the Holy Spirit creates for you to be able to tell your story and how the Lord has had mercy on you. And then lastly, don't be afraid to invite. Don't be afraid to invite people to experience what you've experienced. And maybe it starts by encouraging them to say a prayer or to begin to read Scripture in the book of Mark. But extending an invitation. Everyone in this room has a story to tell. Everyone in this room is in the middle of a chapter that's being written. And I just want to exhort you and encourage you from this example in Scripture to do exactly what Jesus instructed this man to do. I, I'm so grateful that, uh, that as I wrap up not only this message, but my time here at North Point, I'm, I'm very grateful for the chapter in my life that God invited me into being a part of the North Point story. You know, it was really interesting when we were working with Stu from Agora, the national search firm that we partnered with to find Rick and Deb. Uh, Stu said over and over and over again that North Point has a compelling story. Those are his words exactly. And he said it was so easy for him to tell the North Point story about what God was doing here at North Point Community Church. And and I I just am so grateful to have been a small part of a a greater story. This, This church is loved by God. This church is so graced by God. It is so evident in this body, His keeping, sustaining grace. I see it, you see it, we see it. What a joy and what a privilege to be a part of the story that's being written for North Point. And uh, it's, it's really been uh, an incredible uh, experience for me personally. Uh, four months before I came to North Point, I told one of the leaders within our denomination who was a, a statewide and had national influence, he said, John, I know you want to do sabbaticals, but you ought to do interim pastoral ministry. And I told him, I have no interest, 
None. This is four months before I came here. And so it's just been cool to see how uh, if we allow him and we just walk in obedience to him, he's writing an amazing story in and through our lives. Let's bow our heads and our hearts for a word of prayer. Worship team, come back, come back up if you would. And we're going we're gonna to close out in, in a response time of, of, of just lifting our hearts in worship to the Lord. But let's just take a quiet moment. Let's take an inventory. Father, thank you for the things that you've done in our lives. And I I pray that as we go from this place, Lord, that each of us will be thinking about what it is that you've done in our lives. And Lord, as as we ponder and as we think, Holy Spirit, reveal to us and speak to us what it is that you have done and that you are doing. Lord, for the one that's here and maybe several that are here that just have never taken that step of faith in trusting Jesus Christ and inviting Him into their lives to be transformed by Your grace. Lord, I pray for them today. I pray that today would be the day that they reach out in faith to trust Christ and invite Him to begin His life-transforming work. Lord, for those that are walking through a difficulty, that are walking through a storm, that are walking through a very difficult place of maybe life-controlling problems or sickness or disease. Maybe it's financial, but it's, it's a storm. God, I pray for them. And I pray that the grace of God will flow like a river. The power of Jesus Christ will flow like a river. And God, you'll meet us at the point of our need. And I know that we're going to be able to tell a story of how you intervened and of your amazing grace. I want to thank you for that, Father. I want to thank you for the amazing grace that's on this church and the great things that are in store that you're going to do in and through North Point Community Church. I thank you for all these things in the beautiful name, Jesus Christ. Would you stand and let's lift our hearts together in worshiping and honoring Him.